Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. As I sit here in quite a cold, snowy UK, which has been quite unusual for our winter, I'm joined by our guest, Yvette, today, who is sat in California, which is probably the complete opposite to what I'm sat in, Yvette. Uh, And for the purpose of the listeners, I don't want to disrespect you by not pronouncing your last name correctly. So can you just tell us what your last name is? Durasa. Perfect. There you go, listeners. That saves me getting short-tongued over that. So, uh, But Yvette is the author of the book, which is Conflict Intelligence. And then in brackets, it says Conflict IQ, trademarked. The missing piece to turbocharge leaders and organizations' emotional intelligence. She is the principal consultant of Unitive Consulting, a workplace organizational effectiveness, strategic conflict management and leadership development firm. Yvette brings innovative techniques to promote a positive workplace culture in organizations to encourage trust, productive human capital engagement and inclusion. Clients benefit from Yvette's wealth of knowledge and professional experience in the art of building a trusting workplace relationship. And I know I've been in lots of workplaces where that hasn't been the case. Some of her services listeners uh, include training, uh, mediating conflicts in the workplace, anti-bullying, settlement of negotiations, developing dispute system design and bringing unique strategies to address the diversity, equity and inclusion to the workplace. Glad to have you on today's podcast event. And I've only just covered half of your bio, so we'll go through some of the rest of the bio uh, as we go through the podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for inviting me. So tell us a little bit, before we talk about the green tea that you're drinking and what you're drinking it in, tell us a little bit about where you are in California then. Give us a bit of an idea. Yes, I'm in the area of Silicon Valley, uh, where ah, all okay. of the, the tech te- technology companies are here, Apple, Google, all of those um, companies, the huge companies, that uh, IP companies. Yeah. So I, I always get the impression, uh, and perhaps the listeners do as well, that um, you know the area of Silicon Valley is very much... Um, you know, a hustle, uh, a hive of activity, lots of people using technology, working in technology. Are there any still quiet areas in that area? Just give us a, a bit of a clue of, of what it's like there. Well, uh, you, you could only imagine, you know, it was a very, very busy place. And mm. then the pandemic happened and all of these huge buildings, beautiful buildings were empty. For a while, ah, okay. um, little by little, we're starting to get traffic and we're starting to get people back uh, in the office. But yet, yet, you know, there has been some restrictions um, that people have to go to work with their masks still, and uh, and yeah. we're still not in a place where where people are full full uh, committed to come to work every day. 
And then a lot of the IT companies realized that indeed people were working very well from home. Therefore, uh, they're thinking about just keeping it that way and and perhaps yeah. you know just bringing maybe a, a quarter or a third of the employees back to the office, the ones that are most necessary, but the rest are working out of out of home. Yeah, and yeah, that must bring its own challenges to the work that you do as well with engagement and looking at diversity because when people are working remotely that is a whole different concept to handle and to cope with isn't it so I should imagine that's been been quite a shift and change for you as well has it well you you would think that because a lot of people went uh, and stayed home to work the human conflict might have reduced that work and actually got <laughs> bigger because yeah. now you're dealing with uh, individuals that professionals are having situations happening at home that they have to take care of their children, their parents, family members, and and all of those things. And and a lot of that type of situation has been bleeding still to this day at work. Yeah. You know, I recently was coaching someone that you know had an employee that was dealing with taking care of a. Of a of one of the family members and, and their children and still going through that motion of how to help this individual with their unique situation. But at the same time, they need this person at work, right? They yeah. needed to, to function. They needed to, to work fully like the rest of the employees. So uh, because of that, it actually uh, conflict increased more. And then we have also all the political division that has been existing for a couple of years. And and then, um, you know, the uh, social justice movement also that brought stuff into the table of organizations that now, you know, organizations are in a space where they have to create these um, voluntary groups where people can join in and then talk about very sensitive, difficult conversations. And and again, even though that people are doing this remotely, the majority of them, it doesn't preclude them from having conflict with other people in the yeah. workplace and perhaps also having uh, still emotional uh, entanglements when it comes to working with people that they don't like to work with, right? Yeah. Um, recently, I was reading that there is a, a research done that it takes about at least four people for that employee to have a collaborative communion with others to feel that they belong. But it really? takes about seven employees for this person or this employee to feel fully that they belong at work if they have these meaningful relationships. Yeah. So we're, we're quite behind on all of that. And, and I think that now more than ever, the, the work that I do and, and my area of specialty really comes to value to the organizations when before sometimes I was being seen like, you know, there's no conflict here in the workplace. Please don't don't even say that you're a conflict resolution specialist consultant. But now, you know, they're they're more open to the fact that conflict indeed exists in the workplace. And if you don't bring a professional, don't know how to maneuver this conflict, you know, if it's a, a negative conflict, it's it's gonna escalate and affect more the organizational or culture. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, we've become so much more 
aware and tuned in to things since the pandemic, such as mental health, people's well-being. And as individuals, I think we also have realised that we've got to look after ourselves better as well. So I think the the emotional connection has changed on on both sides. So before we get into... Sorry, before we get into some of the talking about you and your business uh, in a bit more detail, we always like to share what we're drinking. So I've got a nice mug of of my usual black coffee here in my big size mug. You're holding up your green tea. So tell us a little bit about the the tea that you're drinking, what you're drinking it out of, and uh, is that your drink of choice during the day normally and why? Um, yes, uh, usually green tea obviously has a lot of great effects, but specifically this green tea, my son uh, for, for Christmas gave me a beautiful cup, which I don't have here with me right now, and gave me with it a, a, a batch of green tea that it's so, uh, you know, so good. It smells like fruit. It, it's so good. Uh-huh. So that really wakes me up in the morning. I typically don't do coffee because if I over overdo myself with caffeine, I just don't do well. I start, you know, having palpitations and it doesn't feel comfortable. So either I, I drink my, my tea cold or I will drink it warm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I used to drink a lot of green tea and one of my business coaches 20 plus years ago introduced me to white tea, which apparently has even better antioxidants, etc. But the the sources of green tea here in the UK have changed. And I found that recently the the green tea that I have been buying has not been very nice. And I, I like drinking what I drink, one, because it's healthy, but also I like the taste of it. And if it doesn't do both of those, then it tends to uh, sort of preclude me from drinking it all throughout the day. Anyway, I might try it occasionally, but uh, definitely that. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so green tea. And describe, because obviously some bought this beautiful uh, drink container. Describe that a little bit to us. Let's give him a bit of a plug for the beautiful gift that he bought you then. Tell us a little bit about that gift. Uh, well, you know, I, I receive a, the beautiful cup with, uh, it's very colorful and it has like golden uh, strip on the top. It's very okay. nice and, and it came with a batch of the green tea. And I love the, the green tea because it's very fruitful. It smells very nice. Mm. So, you know, you know, I like to drink like you something that really tastes good and that smells yeah. very nice. And actually, the green tea has a good smell, but, you know, if you add fruit to it, it definitely enhances, you know, the, the taste and the, and the smell. Um, absolutely. So. And how old is your son? Well, you know, uh, you're going to age me here if I say... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He's, already, he's already up in, uh, you know, in, in his 20s. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's I mean that's a nice thoughtful gift, isn't it? Not just to buy you the green tea, but to buy you as a set with a cup as well. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes once in a while I do my little Instagram rim and I mention about the tea and you know, good reinforcements for him to to see that I appreciate uh, the gift and, and that I appreciate that, that he was thoughtful and, and especially yeah. with, with guys, you know, guys are not that that um uh, you know, thoughtful about giving gifts, but no. you know, I'm telling you that I I raised my son very well. He's one of Good. those guys that open up the door, gives 
the girlfriend a lot of gifts and you know and and okay. I'm I'm very proud of that because uh, I think that um, there's not a lot of you know guys that that are very detail oriented and and I really yeah. like that in, in in a person a man especially and and I'm so glad that at least you know, he came out that way. That here and, and, and I'm so glad about that. We've given him a good plug now, so uh, that's that's really important. And it's so much better than getting a voucher or a gift card or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I, I love that. So thinking about uh, your own business, obviously, I'm just reading on your your information here. You know that you've uh, got a coaching credit credential from the International Coaching Federation. Conflict resolution that you mentioned. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this what's the backstory behind you getting into this event because you've given us an idea of what's changed recently but give us an idea of where you came from into this sector yes and i'd love to talk about my field of work because there's a lot of people don't know about this field of work the field mm. of work is called alternative dispute resolution and okay. in the master's degree that I that I went and obtained, it's a conflict resolution. It's negotiation, conflict resolution, and peace building. And it is a, a field that it's not a new field. It has been here for a while, uh, but but somehow it has been overlooked because um, for one reason or another, this is a field that um, it is. I most cost effective than 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 adhering to to going to a lawyer. Uh, lawyers, a lot of the lawyers have been gravitating to moving into this field, in in some of the lawyers because you know some somehow they want to increase services or perhaps they're not doing very well in their field of work. They they little by little they started going into the alternative dispute resolution field, going back to school, getting PhDs, and then um, going into teaching in alternative dispute resolution um, fields in in the in the universities. So um, usually people are very much connected that there's conflict. It has to be a lawyer the one that that resolves it. Yeah. Right. Um, they, they, whenever I mention I, I mediate or I have the skill of a mediator, people think that I'm a lawyer. And little that people realize that a lawyer do not necessarily, not necessarily, if they're not skilled in this field, they're not necessarily trained to become a neutral person to be able to hold, help both parties to come up with resolutions that are viable for them right mm -hmm. usually in the, in the school of law they teach attorneys to be adversarial they teach to defend one side and 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 sometimes you know if you have the experience a lot of people that i talk to even myself attorneys you know they are well known because they 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 do very well economically because they charge quite a lot absolutely and, they tend to create more conflict in order to continue having these the people involved, you know, in in spaces where they're not happy with each other, and by the meantime, they're they're making more money. So, yeah. this field that I'm at, it is a very noble field. It is a field that I'm, you know, it existed even before law. This is what our ancestors used to use in order to resolve conflict. Actually, it was anthropologists that brought into the light 
these skills into the universities. You know, there was anthropologists together with psychologists and social work, social field. And they're the ones that brought all of these knowledge together in order to create a field study to work with people to resolve human conflict. And, and that is how it started many, many years yeah. ago. And, so and when I found this degree, I, I immediately knew that this is something that I wanted to become an expert on. And I dedicated all these 12 years, not only to getting my master's degree, but getting my hands on in any certificate that I would see valuable to bring us a tool so that I can be best equipped in order to help individuals resolve conflict. And, and not only I'm a book smart person or, or I have a degree on that, I also went through my own series of bullying, clicks, and all of that in, in workplace. So yeah. I know for Kent how it feels to lose your health because of being involved in these type of right. toxic environments. Yeah, and it is your health that can be affected, can't you? you know, I, I remember as, as, as a young person in my first ever employment, uh, having to leave because the the anxiety and the worry of the person that I was having a conflict in in the business with, who was completely ignored. I'm going back to the 80s where you know this kind of thing was you know uh, not really on anybody's radar, uh, certainly here in yeah. the UK. And it really did affect my physical health, not just my mental health, but my physical health as well. And it's it's interesting as you were talking there. I could sense you mentioned attorneys. And when you're competing with a, a sector which has a perception that you need to be somebody legal, you need to be somebody professional to resolve this, then there is this momentum that I can see that you've had of certification because you've got to compete at that same level, isn't it? You know, as soon as you mention the word attorney, people think qualifications, you've spent all those years where mediation Twelve years. I mean, that's that's a good commitment. So well, well done on that. Yeah. And I can sense the passion behind that as well. Yeah, and and not only do I have a the, the master's degree, I I immediately after my master's degree, I was offered to teach at a university alternative dispute resolution. I was teaching courses in mediation, conflict resolution. So because also that, because I also had it on my hands to really train others and really teach this field, I wanted to do it the best possible way. So not only did I went and get one uh, mediation certificate, that it's a 40-hour mediation certificate, I went and got five of them. <laughs> okay. I wanted to go to any organization as, as I could to learn the skills that they were teaching, right? Because the skill yeah. as a, of a mediator goes into the alternative dispute resolution. You know, in within that field, we have mediation, we have ombudsperson or ombudsman. I don't know if you have ever heard about ombuds. Yeah, yeah. You know, some yeah. organizations have internal neutral people that uh, resolve the human conflict in the workplace, right? And they have to be very neutral. They have to be put by the executive or the uh, or the President, for example, in a university, you will find ombudspersons. Um, you have the, the trainings in conflict resolution. You have a, a another piece of the field that it's called restorative practice, that has been used in the you know in the legal field with with young uh, offenders, yeah. and and I use that also to work with companies and restoring um, you know the communication, restoring the relationships, building a better culture. 
and um, and also you know the entire field has what is called a dispute system design helping organizations to bring in systems that will allow for people to have these human to human connections and in talks about difficult conversations instead yeah. of going to the to the punitive process that companies have which is hr human human relations labor relations employer relations whistleblowers you know legal counsel that exist in all organizations those are very punitive processes you know formal uh, formal processes that take not only time to to investigate whether if, if, if the accusations have merit but then people do not get the human to human side of talking about what happened. Sometimes people just want to hear why the other person did what they did, be able to figure it out, be given a, I'm sorry, and, pe yeah. and people can move on, right? Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, the systems that we have in place in organizations do not give space for that. They either, they you follow the policy or you get fired. Yeah. And why, why do you think so, so I, I just yeah. want to tap in there because you know you you mentioned when I when I mentioned uh, the book you mentioned obviously turbocharging leaders and organizations and you've mentioned their organizations quite a lot but the communication and the emotional intelligence comes from the leaders at the top doesn't it and what do you see as a significant roadblock in leaders embracing you know communications emotional intelligence and dispute resolution in businesses what do you see that gets in the way of leaders embracing that well first of all back in the days like four years ago before the pandemic yeah conflict resolution skills was seen as a soft skill it was not seen as a as a essential skill now that we have been dealing with all of these turmoil throughout the world they start to realize that indeed they cannot hide the conflict that exists inside the organizations with people. Whenever you have two people, there's always room to conflict. And now, you know, you can read, you know, like in my website, I have information of a study from Stanford University where CEOs got together and they said, you know, conflict resolution is one of the skills that it's missing in higher leaders. And it's also missing when we're trying to hire people. So it is a very important skill. They're starting to recognize. And you mentioned emotional intelligence. And let me tell you that in, in the 12 years that I've been working and in, in working with professionals, I have tested many of these professionals in emotional intelligence. And some of them are better than others, but the majority of them, even though that they have high levels of emotional intelligence, they still had the same fear of conflict. They fear having the difficult conversation. They get anxious. They cannot sleep, right? Yeah. And that's when I discovered that a methodology that I'm bringing augments emotional intelligence. You know, it helps individuals to be able not only to gain the skills, but to become conscious leaders, people that can lead despite of the problems that the organizations face, despite um, conflict in the workplace. These are leaders that lean in and are able to 
communicate, mediate between employees and, and be able to be those leaders that people want to follow. Yeah. And that is what my book is about. It's not about giving you a skill here and there. Those you can find a ton in the website. You know, you yeah. just Google conflict resolution and you yeah. will find a whole bunch of magazines give you a whole bunch of tips. This is this is how can we transform professionals and leaders from within so that they can become the leaders that we want to follow. And, and that got inspired by, by my father, you know, I grew up with a father that didn't have any formal education. He was an orphan at the age of seven. And, you know, imagine no degree, nothing. And this person was such a leader that people will follow. Wow. And he yeah. also inspired me to, to write this book. And I, and I would love to see more of these leaders in organizations because I know firsthand how it feels to be in organizations that, you know, People will not treat you well. You just don't feel well, right? Yeah. I, I still, you know, even though that I that I am an expert in this area, sometimes I receive emails from people and where I belong to board directors and where people are aggressive. And I still, it takes me a while, you know, to come sure. up with a way of how to write this email that is uh, diplomatic, that it doesn't offend the other person, that opens up the door instead of closing doors. Um, do, you, do you think it's important? Do you think it's important, Yvette? Because um, I want to pick on something you've said in, in just a moment. But do you think it's important there? Because you said you know it takes time, uh, and you know for you when you respond to an email, do you think it is good for each of us that are listening to this that when we do get something where we feel that initial trigger of conflict or fear of conflict, that we do take the time before we respond because I think too many people very often feel they've got to respond quickly to you know it, it's almost as though that's their way of handling it if I respond quickly I'll nip it in the bud you know as is the saying over here you know do you think it is important for us to give that time before we respond it is very important because mm. when when anything that our brain perceives that we're being attacked immediately are part of the body of the brain, part of our body and our brain shuts down, start shutting down. And you don't yep. have the possibility to, you know, have access to an analytical part of the brain in order to, to be able to analyze the situation and, and figure it out. What is the outcome that you wish to have? A lot of people, because they get emotional, they immediately react. And that is what does not give you the outcome that you wish to have. Because at the end of the day, like in a few minutes after you responded to that email and you send it, or you responded to that person in, in, in person, you realize that you wish you wouldn't say that, Correct. right? Yeah. And, and it is our emotions that, you know, get triggered when, when, when somehow our minds think that we are in danger. Yeah, right. Yeah. We have this, this beautiful brain that keeps us alive every moment of our life, right? Every mm. minute of our life. Absolutely. So anything that we'll find outside of, of us that looks like something that, that it's uh, dangerous to us, we immediately go into a fleet or fight and flight mode, yeah. which is the emotional side of it and we don't have time to analyze because our, our body's telling us 
we have to do something immediately. We have to take right. care of ourselves right away. So it is important for people to step back, to take a breather, take a walk before they answer an email, before they respond to somebody, especially if they feel very upset. Yeah. And, and normally I, I ask you to share a tip towards the end of the podcast, but I think listeners, what you just heard there is one of the best tips that you'll take away from this podcast because, you know, I see so many people that rush into that. But I want to pick up on something else you said, because you said um, conscious uh, leaders, because I think we, we do have leaders and, and managers in business that end up there. They, they sometimes don't even know how they ended up there, but they are perhaps good at what they do or somebody else doesn't volunteer, so they get put forward for something. But very often it happens by chance. And mm -hmm. what would you say is the main difference you see when it comes to particular uh, inclusivity and looking at uh, diversity in the workplace for those that want to become leaders and those that by chance become leaders is there much of a difference between the two that you find in the organizations of the leaders that you work with well it all it all depends right it all depends mm. um uh you know we're always juggling with the idea does leaders become or the or leaders are born yeah. and i think that um i think that leaders, even though that we say that they're born, I think like in, in the aspect of my father, you know, my father was an orphan at the age of seven. He could have chose totally different life, a totally different experience in creating meaning of what would happen to him. But he chose to be noble to society. He chose to be kind to society. Uh, he never put money before people. And, and, you know, and I think that it was the filters to how he create meaning out of the world. And even though that it was, I mean, matching that it was painful being, being alone at the age of seven, he yeah. turned out very, you know, different than, than somebody that would go to that same experience and, and, and be totally different, right? Be, be, be a person that uh, affects people or, or is not good in, in society. So I definitely believe that leaders can learn you know, yep. you have to embrace experiences and be able to, um, you know, realize that sometimes it is it is a mechanism of how life is teaching us, you know, messages and, and teaching us lessons in order for us to evolve and grow. Yep. Part of this book is 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 with regards to Albert Einstein quote. You, you can never resolve conflicts on the, uh, the level of consciousness that it was created because that level of consciousness in where conflict is created, it locks you down, you know, your thinking. You Definitely, have yeah. to find ways to elevate and move around your levels of consciousness so that you can become creative. You can find other pathways, other ways of seeing things. And that is, that is where it would unlock and open up our brain in order to be able to find mechanisms. I know that yeah. previously you asked also about how is it that we ended up sometimes with leaders that are not, uh, you know, not very, very, uh, how do you say, not very uh, conflict uh, oriented in the workplace. Yeah. 
Yeah. One of the things that happens in order to create diversity, not only not only we're talking about the diversity of you know equity and inclusion, but diversity of thinking. What yeah. tends to happen from the higher up is that everybody likes to work with with like-minded people. Yeah. Same opinions. And yeah. And if yeah. you're gonna put an executive director board to to hire another VP, to hire another leader in the organization, most likely than not, they're gonna end up getting people that are very similar to them. And if we ended up already with leaders that are not very kind and they're not very compassionate and and they're not leading from the heart and they're you know you know money driven and and uh, you know with a big ego, we're gonna end up with more of that. I always, yeah. whenever I went, go to organizations and work with them, I always uh, suggest get people from different departments to help you, um, to help you find the leaders, to help you interview the leaders, because everybody in the organization gets affected in one way or another with the person that you're bringing into the organization. And if you want to change your culture, you need to change the ways that you or the mechanisms are you using in order to interview and bring people into the organization yeah but i think i think you've mentioned something there but i've seen a few businesses do recently where they when they're interviewing for a leader or senior manager in a business they actually go to the the general workforce of the business to recruit that person and for for the the owners of the business that is a terrifying leap to take isn't mm-hmm. it because you know you want you want to keep control you want to feel that you are recruiting somebody who can reflect your standards of business and really put the performance of the business at the forefront yet actually very often they make bad recruitment decisions and it's because they don't work with the workforce so why wouldn't you allow the workforce that are going to be dealing day to day with these senior managers let them have a decision on who they're going to recruit. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So um, tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find out more about you, Yvette, where they can get a copy of, of the book on conflict intelligence. Just give us an idea of where we can go to find out more. Thank you. Um, yes, the book is in Amazon and pretty soon it will be distributed in other in other. Uh, venues of books where I'm working okay. diligently on that as well. Good. And um, so they, for right now, they can go to Amazon.com and maybe Amazon.com UK. Um, and then you also can find me, you know, if you Google my name, Yvette Durazo, uh, there's a lot of podcasts that I have done. Um, yep. You know, I have my own web, a website. Uh, I'm in LinkedIn, in Instagram, Facebook. And you also can Google Unitive Consulting. Um, you can also find me, you know, I know that the name itself is a little bit tough, so Yvette Durazo probably would be easier for people to look me up. So, um, yes, so they can find me there. You know, my website has wonderful information about courses that I'm putting together. Um, I'm inviting people for a membership in where they can have a, a group session with me in where I talk about little uh, conflict bites, that's what I call okay. it, conflict yeah, bites. Yeah. And then I coach people in the group so that they can have an, an experience of what it is to learn to be conflict intelligence. 
And um, so I'm inviting anybody that will be interested to go to the website and take a look at, uh, at that. You know, and, they, and if they send me an email, you know, I will send them a code so that I can invite them over to experience Perfect. the group at least for a couple of times for free so that they can experience it. Perfect. So obviously we'll make sure links, etc., are put in the show notes and Anna, who does a great job of my show notes, will make sure they're in there. Uh, but just give us the, the, the link for the website, just so those listening to it can just jot it down right now rather than look in the show notes, because sometimes the show notes do get condensed a little bit. So just give us an idea what that link is. It's uh, www.unitiveconsulting.com. Okay. The other thing that I, yes, and the other thing that I wanted just to mention that I mm. do also speaking with regards to the book, and um, so if anybody is interested in me coming into the organization or perhaps their associations to give a talk, uh, I'm available. Okay, great. Yeah, and I know here in the UK we don't really have too many associations, but I know certainly United States, you know, there is actually an association of associations, isn't it? You know, you know associations are very, very popular. So uh, yeah, so that's great. So um, final question, there, Yvette, because you've given us so much to take away, so much of, of value, and so many insights. If you were going to have your next green tea in a dream location, sat with somebody. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to exclude your father because you've mentioned him several times, but sat with somebody who has been an inspiration to you who might be alive, who might have passed away. Where would that dream location be and who would that person be that you'd have that green tea with? I would think that it would be a green tea with Carl Jung, the, the famous okay. uh, psychologist, uh, because I, I was very interested when I read in one of his books that I also quoted in my book, but he yeah. talked about that the people that were sitting in front of him while he was giving therapy were people that he found that throughout their lives somehow they have difficulty resolving conflict with others. Fantastic. So check check that out as well. And where would the location be though with that? Give us give us the dream location as well. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, sounds good. Well, You've, you've been an absolute star. You're giving us so many things to take away. You know, the book, listeners, is something that you need to go and grab a copy of and check out the, the website, unitiveconsulting.com. Uh, check that out and certainly uh, send Yvette an email and reach out to her and uh, connect and make use of the services. Because as you say, Yvette, conflict is something that we are more aware of, we're more tuned into, and we need to make sure that we use problem solving communication i think was one of the things that you mentioned in information to actually resolve it and you know the world would be a much better place if we handled conflict so much better wouldn't it so uh, thank you so much for being a guest and thank you listeners for just listening and taking part and let us know what you're going to do with it as well you know there's a lot of good tips there let us know what you're going to do differently uh, with regards to this area and let yvette know what difference it's made by listening to her on this podcast as well Thanks so much for being a guest of that. You've been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to your, your audience. I really appreciate um, one, one step at a time and one little piece at a time creating peace building. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, peace building. I love that phrase as well. So that's a, that's a great phrase. Perhaps perhaps there's a part two podcast in this some point in the future talking more about that word peace building. But yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.